You're about to listen to a previously recorded podcast valued by growth junkies everywhere. Enjoy. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. These are the four dimensions of human health. This is where growth happens, and it's addicting. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. Welcome to the Growth Junkies Podcast. My name is Ben Boast. I'm one of your hosts here. Didn't mean to rhyme necessarily. I'm here with Kent Dell, who's say the other host of the Growth Junkies Podcast, and we're excited to be back with you again. And today uh, we'll be talking about relationships and what it looks like to have a healthy relational life. Man, Kent, relationships can be complicated, can't they? No, no they're, <laughs> they're simple. Everybody knows that. Very though. easy. <laughs> You know, if, if relationships weren't complicated, soap operas wouldn't exist. Oh, goodness. Uh, Did you ever watch Days of Our Lives? I never watched a single soap opera in my life. So this is a really weird thing about me. But like when I was like 19 years old, I had way too much time on my hands. And in between practicing golf, like, well, I think part of it is I'd go to bed too late and wake up really late. And I'd watch Days of Our Lives. Is that bad for me to say that? Yes, you shouldn't admit that. I should not have said that. That's embarrassing. Someone's going to email me about that. I think I caught like five minutes of one (laughs) soap opera one day, and it was just, it was like more drama than I needed in my entire day. (laughs) And I don't think that those shows would even exist if there weren't conflicts, right? Yeah. So relationships, yes, they're totally complicated. Very. And create some of the greatest distress and heartache that we live with in this life. Right. So I think that, you know, we could talk for many episodes about relationships and we will hit this again and again, but this is all about relationships today yeah. and why we need them and what the problem is without them. Having a healthy relational life, having others in your life that you can be connected with, like we talked about in the last podcast, a place where we're actually able to share our emotions with someone else, mm-hmm. but also a place where we feel like others are able to care, carry our emotion mm-hmm. and to be connected. I mentioned in that podcast about that the real link between our emotional uh, to relationship is our emotional life, mm-hmm. you know, where we're able to do that and to bring that into a place where it can be shared with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not necessarily about the thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not going to be the first to say this. And it really is kind of getting old, you know, when people say, oh, we're in such a connected age and yet we feel so disconnected. Yeah. Right. I mean, are we really in a connected age if everyone is that disconnected? Well, we're in a digitally connected age. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I mean, we had this interesting connected conversation. Connected to the internet or connected to digital means, yeah. but it doesn't necessarily mean it connects us to people. Well, that's exactly right. Last night or two nights ago at the dinner table, we had this conversation. I think I told you about this, Ben. Uh, we, we asked the question of our kids. We said, <laughs> you know, if you could push a button and erase like all social media and even the internet, would you push it? And all the kids were like, no, no way. No, we live on that. We need it. And mom and dad were like, yes, we would push that button. We grew up in the 80s. That was pre-internet, pre-social media. And guess what? We had relationships. We had life. So I'm not some hokey old guy who's saying we got to go back to the old days because those (laughs) were the good days. I'm simply making a point that in that conversation, we're acknowledging the fact that just because we're connected digitally doesn't mean we're connected relationally. And people are more lonely now and more isolated than ever before. What does that say? Right. Yeah. And I I just came from a week at an event where I was with uh, 10 other guys for an entire week and most of them I did not know. Mm. And one of the things that happened during this week is each guy had a chance to share their story for 30 minutes. Prior to us ever getting to the place where people started sharing their stories, 
you could just see that being around the table face to face, having meals together, even with people you didn't know, and then the side sub conversations were incredibly refreshing and life-giving to those that were there. Were you guys texting each other? No, we were talking. And <laughs> oh. actually, we were, we were out of cell phone coverage because we were in, you know, in Montana. So good old face-to-face human interaction. And I just think it's so rare sometimes for people today to, for that to happen at a deep level that when it does and it's put in front of you. Now, as a growth junkie or an aspiring growth junkie, you might, you might feel very uncomfortable mm-hmm. by what we're talking about. I mean, mm-hmm. thinking about going into an environment where you don't know somebody and actually sharing your story mm. could make you very uncomfortable. And the reality was it did make some of these guys incredibly uncomfortable because they had never done it before. Mm-hmm. They had never actually taken their heart into relationship with others mm. to see if it would be cared for. Maybe no one ever asked them to tell their story. Yeah. Never had an opportunity to do it. Or they've been told their entire life that their story doesn't matter. Right. And so... I was just reminded and blown away because I've been in many settings like that throughout my life. I've also had great mentors who have carried my heart with me, mm. you know, and loved me well. I called two of them on the way here this morning, you know, just because God had put them on my heart and mind just to check in with them, mm. you know, and then like the relationship we have, you know, as our friendship and relationship grows, we're, we're learning to carry each other's burdens together. Mm-hmm. You know, even yesterday in our conversation, I came to our meeting with some things I've been thinking about and struggling with, worrying about, you know, things guys worry about, future, ability to make a living, all those different things. And yeah. and you were very encouraging and positive and open mm. to me in that time. You know, mm. we, we learn to walk with each other and carry those things in relationship. And mm. to not have that in life mm-hmm. is suffocating. Yeah, I can attest to that. Um, you know, Ben, you know my story, and I, I shared it in an earlier podcast but I was in a place where I was pretty socially isolated yeah. a few years ago. And I didn't realize it because I knew lots of people, but I, they didn't really know me and I didn't really, really know them. So I had lots of quote unquote friends. So lots of, you know, lots of 1400 Facebook friends or whatever you have doesn't really mean they're friends. You know that, right? Growth junkies. So for me, I had lots of people I was interacting with on a daily basis. I had lots of people that were, I don't know, associates or you know, um, people that I would spend time with. But in reality, I don't think I had a lot of close friends, if any. And so when I fell into a really deep, dark place, um, I looked around, I'm like, where is everybody? And then it was, a, it was a hard, harsh reality to wake up and say, well, I don't really have any really close friends right now. It's a no wonder they're not here mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. So that's on me. And so the reality is it opened my eyes to the fact that I need uh, fewer, you know, shallow relationships and more deep relationships. And not even that many. Like I would rather go through life with a handful of really good friends than have 50,000 Facebook friends or you know 100,000 follows or likes or whatever. That means almost nothing to me. And so that's changed though, because there was a time where I got my validation and value mm. from how many people liked or followed something I was doing. And I equated that with friendship, but it's yeah. not friendship. That's usury is what that is. And so... We live in this world in which people equate relationship with likes and follows, but that's not. Relationship is communication, honesty, authenticity, openness, sharing what's going on in your life, leaning into one another. And so that's part of the reason why, you know, Ben and I really want to, we want to model what we're trying to talk about here. And so we've worked really hard to build our friendship 
and we go there. We go there on a daily basis where we talk about real life and how we're struggling and we share emotion. Yeah. And we know we both need that. And we know that other growth junkies, you guys need that too. And so we strongly encourage you not to live life in isolation. Right. Don't be satisfied with just you know blogging and because people read your blog, you've got friends. You don't. And just, you know, hanging out with your neighbors and drinking some beers or whatnot is not going to make, you know, give you friends. Right. Friendship is a slow ripening fruit. You got to build into it. You've got to nourish it. You've got to take care of it. You got to be a friend to have a friend. Yeah. And so Ben and I are just so convinced that that relationship is, is intimate and it's personal. And we're made, actually made to be in relationship. Uh, in the last podcast, we talked about being made in the image of God how humanity is made in God's image and how God himself is a relational God. He introduced himself as a relational God. He has always been in relationship because he's in Trinity. So Christians believe in a Trinity, which is uh, called a Godhead or a triunity of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they form one individual. And so God is exists in relationship from eternity past to eternity future. And then they have this incredible intimacy and relationship with one another. And we're made to imitate that. So like marriage, for example, is supposed to be a taste of that intimacy, but so is friendship, brotherhood, sisterhood, 100%. Absolutely. Even children and parents. I mean, these are relationships supposed to give us taste of the intimacy that God lives in on a daily basis. And so to not live in relationship with other people is terribly unhealthy for the human race. And it's part of the reason we have so many social ills today, I believe, because we're living in isolation. I mean, even the stats back it up. Um, According to the American Sociological Review, um, one in four Americans lives alone. Now, I got three kids and they're like young. And so there's days I wish I lived alone. <laughs> so there's moments you just want to clear your head. So I, I get wanting to live alone, but most people in reality don't want to live alone. And this is made yeah. true. Talk to millennials or singles, you know, young adults, they try to fill up their schedules with things to do because they don't want to be alone. Yeah. You want to be busy. You want to be with other people. And so one in four Americans lives alone. That's not good. Half of all Americans, listen to this don't have a single person they can turn to in a crisis, half. That means half of Americans don't have a single true friend. Now that's an indictment on a digitally connected world to not really have a person to turn to. If you, your car broke down on the side of the road, who are you gonna call? You know, you get upside down and you have a big debt and you need some help, who are you gonna call? And if you don't have a family relationship to call upon, do you have any friends? So this is just not good. And I I just can't help but go back to uh, the beginning in Genesis. You know, know, Ben and I are Jesus followers. We talk about this and we believe the Bible tells the truth. And so if it does tell the truth, way back in Genesis, um, when God creates, he makes this interesting statement. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Yeah. And we... We, you know, we first hear that and, and you read the rest of the text, you know, there, you, you tend to think it's, it's all about marriage. It's not good for man not to be married, but that's not true. That's not really what it's saying. It's not just about marriage. Certainly it's true of marriage. You're supposed yeah. to, you know, experience a taste of, you know, God's intimacy in the context of marriage, but it's not just about marriage. It's about all relationships. It's not good for people to be alone. Yeah. It's not good for them not to have anybody. And then secondly, um, God says something really interesting. If that's true, it's not good that man's alone. I think, hold on a second. Man's not alone. He's got God. Right. God's right there. So 
what is God saying when he says, it's not good that you're alone, but I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. God seems to admit or to imply that a relationship with him and him alone is not enough. Yeah. That we actually need other people. We need to live in relationship. Yeah. And I think you're starting to to really wade into the the reality of what it's all about. It's about intimacy and bonding. A little bit ago, you said you talked about it's not just marriage and that relationship because there will be people in life who don't ever experience that kind of relationship. You know, I have friends that are single and, and maybe never will be married. You know, I'm sure most of us know people who are like that. So it can't just simply be about marriage, right. but it's really about the concept of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And just speaking from my personal experience, like intimacy and bonding has been a challenge for me. I think my process of becoming a growth junkie really revolved around learning how to bond with others mm-hmm. and how to have true, genuine intimacy. Mm. Partly because related to my story, most of all of intimacy was sexualized. Mm. And that happens a lot, I think, for people in our society today mm-hmm. with the amount of pornography and the way marketing and advertising expresses itself. You know, we end up not being able to see things like intimacy clearly. And there are ways that, and in my friendships with other men that I have, like there are things I'm probably meant to experience with them from a, a bonded uh, core uh, relationship in my life of someone who I can walk through life with that I won't necessarily have with my wife. The intimacy is different, mm-hmm. but it's meant to building one another up, to encourage each other, to get into hard things with one another, and to to relate. And to connect, and there's a bond that gets formed there. Yeah, and that bond is translated in love. I think ultimately, when we mention the Trinity, we're talking about a relationship where the the current that is exchanged from father to son or son to spirit in that ongoing whole relationship is a current of love, mm-hmm. right? A, a deep concern for the well being of the other. Mm-hmm. That is that you know you want to know, want, and do what's in their best interest, right? You know, and that is a, a critical thing for un- us to understand that intimacy and bonding in relationships is going to show up differently. It's it's meant to be expressed and look different in a marriage versus a friendship or other things. But ultimately, it's the current of love that, that binds it all together. You know, and that's a good time for me to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the Greek language here. Um, in an earlier podcast, Ben talked about the Latin words for love. And it's interesting in the Greek language, there are actually four different words for love. But we only have one in English. And so we, we use the word love indiscriminately. <laughs> like, you know, I, I love my wife on one hand. I love hamburgers on the other. But you don't love them the same way. At least we hope you don't. I love right? fly fishing. Okay. You love fly fishing. Probably don't love fly fishing the same way you love your child. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's different kinds of love. The only thing is it doesn't come through. And, 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 and unfortunately, when we use the word love, it's almost always romantic. It's almost always in terms of a romantic relationship. I mean, you just Google the word love and it's going to be all mushy, gushy poems and yeah, music. Yeah, it's encased and, within that reality a lot of times for us, right? Right. But love, there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of love that a parent feels for their child and a child for the parent. There's a kind of love a husband feels for a wife. There's a kind of love a friend feels for another. Yeah. And there's a kind of love between God and humanity. Yeah. And actually what's interesting is in the Greek language, there's four different words and they describe those four contexts. Uh, the first one is the word eros. And um, it's like we get the concept of erotic. So erotic love is is one word for love in the Greek language and used in the um, extra biblically. But then there's a storge love. Storge is a love uh, that describes a love for a parent for a child. It's a love between parents and their kids. 
Then there's agape love. Perhaps you've heard the word agape before. And that is the kind of love that, that describes the relationship between God and mankind, mankind mm. and God. But then there's what this philia love. So like the word Philadelphia, you know, city of brotherly love. Mm. Philia love is a love between friends. So there is a love that exists between friends that, that ought to exist. There's a place for that. And, and back in those days, and even in the Bible, that love was expressed and communicated with the word philia. Mm-hmm. to love one another. But we use the word love in one context today. And so we almost dismiss the idea that there is, there is genuine filial friendship love. And it, it's weird. Like even today, you know, guys can't really hang out together without people writing in all the white space, you know, <laughs> and girls and so forth. Just to be together and to have that kind of friendship and relationship and share love has to be sexualized all the time. Mm. And it doesn't have to be. So the difference between those four categories is the context in which the love is expressed. It's the context of a relationship. And so what's interesting is that the first three, eros, storge, and agape, describe love between, you know, in marriage and parenting and divine love. But the fourth one is sort of this umbrella over all the rest of relationships in life. And so friendship, affection, is love and we need to have that in our lives otherwise we're missing out on an important part of life yeah and i hope we hope growth junkies that this is helpful for you because i think one of the things that happens a lot is we have models that we apply to everything in life whether it's business um workout plans or even our recreation and we have these ways in which we're going to approach things but when when it comes to our maturity Mm -hmm. one, one of the big strategies we have with you know, not in a, not only in our own lives, but with you all, is that you start to be able to see some things structurally with some models. You know, the way Kent just des- described those those four words of love from the Greek language gives some context. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're a person who wants to love God with your soul, means that you want to be a person who does relationships well. Mm-hmm. And so, understanding those four categories of love, whether it's from Latin or Greek, or mm-hmm. having a broader understanding is, of how love expresses itself, is we believe helpful to creating that model, just like why we're working through these four areas of emotional, relational, intellectual, and vocational in the four dimensions. Mm-hmm. And why we've segmented it the way we we have is because I believe a lot of people go through life, they want to grow, they want to be different, they want to be intimate, intimate and bonded with others and have friendships and have a healthy life, but they don't necessarily have a model for it. Mm-hmm. So where do we go for that structure? And and like we've said in, in podcasts previously, you know, this comes out of the great commandment of Jesus of how do we love well in these four areas? Mm-hmm. You know, a critical element for loving well relationally is understanding that you are taking your entire uh, personhood, everything that you are, every attribute that you have, inner and outer. I mean, the fact that I have brown hair, even though there's not much of it left, and I got green eyes and, you know, I'm Caucasian and... You know, I'm a little overweight. You know, I take all of that into relationship with me, just like I do the reality that is, you know, I've worked hard to be a kind person or a a person who expresses generosity. You know, it's your inner and outer attributes. It's the whole person Mm -hmm. that goes into relationship with one another, with another person Mm. where love can be exchanged. Mm. And that's what it means to love well with your soul. So you're you're basically saying, uh, I, I think this is implied that relationships are scary. They're risky. You got to be willing to risk something to put yourself out there and to bring emotions into a relationship. You know, you put your toe in the water and you want to see if the person across from you puts their toe in as well. And so growth junkies, we're going to admit freely that forming relationships is work, first of all. But secondly, it's risky and it's scary because you might get betrayed. You might get poked in the eye. You might not get reciprocation. 
And and there's a reality to relationships that they're that, that you're not going to find them everywhere. I I read some yeah. horrible statistic years ago, and it's so depressing <laughs> that one out of four people is not going to like you no matter what you do or say. They just don't like you. They just they don't gel with your personality. They just don't. Something is not right. And no matter what you do, song or dance, whatever you can do, they're just not going to like you. You got to be okay with that. Part of forming relationships is realizing that. I'm okay with the fact that it's not going to be reciprocated all the time, but it can't stop you from being willing to step out and to say, I'm going to go there. I'm going to invest myself. I'm going to be a friend so I can have a friend. See, that was my awakening. I just kind of expected that people would just be there for me, whether I invested in them or not. And the reality is they won't. They will be there for you when you've invested in them too. So friendship has to take, it's, it's proactive. It takes initiative. You have to, you have to go out and make them. You have to create them. And so the, the, the fact is that there are a lot of people out around us at our jobs and at school and at home and our neighborhoods. And you got to be a bit judicious in regards mm-hmm. to the people that you perceive you want to go deeper with, the people you want to make friendship with. Because you, here's the thing, growth junkies, you don't need a lot of friends. You no. really don't. You need a handful of friends. Yeah. Good friends. And if you've got a handful of friends, and that, a handful is five. I got five fingers. Yeah. And you got five too. Yeah. A handful Last is five. <laughs> five fingers, unless you're the six-finger six guy, <laughs> five friends is sufficient. And everybody needs five good friends. But you're going to have to probably turn over, you know, a hundred rocks to find those five good friends. Yeah, and I think you're bringing up a really good point for people to have to process through is, is how we approach relationships with others. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the greatest fear people have is rejection yeah. when it comes to relationship, mm-hmm. taking the risk, stepping out there, wanting to to be in, in relationship with another person and not being received well on the other side. Yeah. One thing I can say at this point in my life is the more emotionally healthy you become, uh, you're able to carry rejection differently. Right. It doesn't it doesn't hurt the way that it would if you don't have a healthy wrap or if you haven't wrapped your arms around your emotional life in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. You begin to understand that that others aren't often able to receive you and that's not necessarily your fault. Right. So you're able to see it differently. And I think that's really important to understand. And and we want you to know as listeners too, like we're not we're not here to be disconnected from you per se. Like if you have questions or things you want to throw our way, please email us, mm-hmm. connect with us. We're not doing this from a distance to be completely removed from our listeners. Like if there's things you want to work through or have a question you have, don't hesitate to to shoot it to us. We'll do the best we can to respond. You know, one you of know? the things is, you know, I don't know if you shared this in a podcast yet, but but we live in Boise, Idaho. And, and one of the reasons Ben and I, you know, um, relocated here was because we wanted to create something. We wanted to create this kind of um, socially connected experience, relational depth that could be replicated and exported. So in many ways, this podcast is our attempt to export what we're endeavoring to create right here. So it, no matter where you live, you know, no matter what state you're in or even what country you're in or what language you speak and whoever's around you, you can create this environment where you are, but it is risky and it does take work and you've got to reach out. And what we're doing is we're encouraging you to not settle for living life alone. 
not settle for being isolated and being okay with that. Right. Don't be part of the 50% that doesn't have any friends to turn to in a crisis. You need to forge those relationships. You critically need them. You don't need many, but you need a few. Right. And I would even go far to say that if I have five really good friends I know care about me and are there for me, if, if I get rejection in, an, in another relationship, I can fall back on that. And it makes me feel stable. Well, at least I have my good buds, the ones who are going to be there for me. And right. I don't even need more. So it's okay. So there's a concept that we've kind of been dancing around here that we want to talk a little bit about, and it has to do with forming relationships. How do we form relationships and creating what we call boundaries? Yeah, very important. Because there are different kinds of people out there. There are like healthy, I mean, healthy relationships is one thing. Relationships are another. Just having relationships isn't good in itself. You've got to have healthy relationships, mutual relationships, relationships that are life-giving and mutually based. And so there's this sort of paradigm where we live our life kind of on a scale between bonding and boundaries. Um, the term we use in the coaching world is uh, bonding or attachment. Mm -hmm. You've got to be able to create need-based attachments with people, and, and you, but to attach to the right people. On the other hand, there's boundaries where you need to create boundaries between you and toxic people. So it's saying yes to the right relationships and no to the other ones. And you have permission and encouragement if you want to be a growth chunky to be able to say no, to create boundaries, to say no to toxic relationships and say yes to healthy ones. And a healthy relationship, Ben, I want you to chime in on this too. Yeah. I would say is a relationship that is life-giving, that is mutual, there's exchange between the right. two, that there's a commitment to one another and that an argument or a conflict or a falling out is not going to end that relationship. Right. There is a, a voiced commitment to one another. I would say those three things are critical to have life-giving, healthy relationships. What would you say about that? Well, I go back to one of the originating conversations we had at the beginning when we were starting LTI. I remember standing outside next to the car that I had rented, and we were having this conversation about what are we committed to with one another? And the first thing is ultimately we're committed to each other's to relationship with one another, mm -hmm. that our friendship was first and foremost, regardless of what happened. And we've lived that out, mm -hmm. you know, and that's, that's really important in, in our character session. When we get to it, we'll talk about boundaries as setting limits with yourself and others. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a, there's a book that many have heard of a book called boundaries by Henry cloud and John Townsend. It was a very famous book. And if you haven't read it, I think it's a helpful resource. We'll put a link uh, in our show notes about that book. But it's a concept that you have to learn how to handle in life is how to set limits with yourself and with others. Mm -hmm. Some of those limits are when you enter a relationship, like we talked about in the last podcast. Mm -hmm. Are you sensitive to the environment you're walking into? Are you able to hold back and refrain because you see what the dynamic of the room looks like or the type of state a person's in? You, be, you, get to, you begin to read situations a lot better as you go in relationship by learning how to exercise boundaries. One thing I would say uh, with boundaries, and I've uh, one of the people that I coach on a regular basis, we've been having conversations about family. When you set boundaries, sometimes the other person or are not very receptive to it. Mm. And they could become quite angry because mm. you're starting to put a limit or draw a line in the sand where they used to regularly cross. Mm. And they and you wouldn't they wouldn't know that they were necessarily offending you or encroaching upon your life in a in a negative way, right? So you have to be aware that when you start to set boundaries, that doesn't mean you use boundaries as a weapon. Let's be very clear about that. 
to hurt others or to confuse situations. Mm. But sometimes you do have to draw a line so that the relationship be, can become more healthy. Yeah, I think boundaries, I think uh, Cloud and Townsend define boundaries as um, invisible property lines. The key word exactly. is invisible. You don't have to, you, you, they're, they're there, they're established. You don't have to point them out and say, you're stepping over my boundary. Just, you have your boundary and you don't let people cross over it. And so I, you know, I think growth junkies for me, you, you, life is about discern, discerning and deciding who you're going to pursue relationship with, friendship with. And, and, and as you grow in your emotional intelligence, you become more socially aware and you almost can pick up on the right people. You almost can identify those are my people. That's somebody who were same sold, you know, like-minded. Right. So we find those people, but the only way to really find those people is by doing one of two things is either expressing a need to see if they're willing to receive it. Right or by creating a boundary to see if they respect it. Mm -hmm. And that's how you sort of find out who you know your friends are and th those who are not your friends. So I would encourage you to, to voice your needs, to listen to your needs and to put them out there and see who else comes along and, and receives and embraces those needs. Those are your people. Right. And as you have boundaries and you create them, you'll see who, who tra you know, transcends them and crosses them all the time. Those are the people perhaps you don't want to be around. They don't want to invest your time and energy into. So creating relationships is fundamentally important, but there's a wisdom as to how to go about doing right. it. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so if you're enjoying this and, and as a growth junkie want to have a more tangible resource to look at on a regular basis uh, of where we're drawing this from. We have the four dimensions of human health, which you can purchase on Amazon. I and mean, today we were in their introduction. And I think I would say personally that if there's one critical piece uh, out of that entire curriculum that we've produced that people, uh, we would love people to get is that introduction, understanding the model of uh, emotional, relational, intellectual, and vocational health and how to integrate love into all of life. And so you can see more of that in the four dimensions of human health that's available on Amazon. If you wanna learn more about the Love and Transformation Institute, you can do so at loveandtransformation.org. This has been the Growth Junkies podcast, and we're looking forward to being with you next time.